Everybody doing well? Let me hear from you this morning. It's rainy out there today, but I'm glad you're here. So glad to have you in part two of our message series called Arrows. And in Arrows, we're in Psalm 127 talking about how we can be parents. We're learning together how to be parents who train their children so that they hit the target that God has put in front of them. Do you believe that? God's put a target out there for your children to hit with their lives. And our number one goal is not to make them like us, not to do what we want them to do, but to do what God wants them to do and to fulfill His calling over their lives, to hit that mark. And that's what we're learning. Parenting is a wonderful gift. Parenting is a wonderful blessing, but it's also a heavy and serious responsibility, and we're taking that responsibility seriously. Now, I want to read you some funny quotes about parenting. You ready for this? So, to wake you up this morning after the rain, if, if any of these applied to your life or did at one time, I want you to give me an amen, okay? Can you do that? I can tell right now what kind of day it's going to be already. Uh, here we go. Parenting is mostly just informing kids how many more minutes they have left. Amen. All right. 90% of parenting is thinking about when you can lay down again. I love this one. Hell hath no fury like a toddler whose sandwich has been cut into squares when they wanted triangles. Don't you just feel close to everybody right now? It's like, I thought it was only me. Having a two-year-old, I love this one. Having a two-year-old is kind of like having a blender, but you don't have a lid for it. Oh, Lord, yeah, amen, oh, Lord. Welcome to parenthood. Your full-time job is now putting throw pillows back on the couch. This is my favorite one, I think. I'd love to be a Pinterest mom, but it turns out I'm more of an Amazon Prime mom. Any amens out there on that one? You afraid to amen on that one? King Solomon was this incredible man. Uh, given great wisdom, given great wealth, and he wrote the book of Proverbs. This is the only psalm that we really believe Solomon wrote, Psalm 127. And in this psalm, he draws a beautiful picture of parents and children that you wouldn't normally think about. It's not instinctual to think this way about parents and children. Let's look at it. Let's read together Psalm 127, just one verse, verse 4 today. Solomon writes this, Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Let's read that one more time. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Do you get the picture here? In this picture, Solomon writes, there's so much to learn from this, but what he says to us is that the parents are the warriors and the children are the arrows. Think about that picture. The parents are warriors and the children are the arrows. Do you realize as a parent, we often think... I think when we think of parenting, we think of cuddling them and being really sweet to them and protecting them and all these kind of sweet moments. You, you know the sweet moments? You know what I'm talking about? You remember when you brought them home and they're wrapped up in this wonderful blanket and they have that baby smell about them? Any of you remember that? And they have that cute little cap they put on their head, which we still have both of them tucked away somewhere and, and all that stuff. And you have these moments as a parent when you just think of this warm, safe, nice little environment that feels so good. And then Solomon comes and says, as parents, we are warriors. As parents, we're on a battlefield. We're in an environment that's not safe, 
because there is an enemy in that environment shooting at us all the time. There's a war going on around us while we're trying to raise these sweet little babies. You get them home and you cuddle them and, and you, you just feel like when they're little and you have this control over them, you feel like everything's safe. Then they start to walk. Uh-oh. Then they have the ability to pick things up and put them in their mouth. Fast forward, then they get a driver's license. How many of you are in that right now? A bunch of us like, oh boy, driver's license. Then they go off somewhere and move out of the house. Maybe they go to college. Then you don't know where they are 24-7. It's like you get this nice warm little bundle that you just love and cuddle so long. And if you're in that stage, love it, love it, love it, love it. It won't last forever. Just enjoy every minute of it. You can't soak it all up. But increasingly, the journey of parenting is letting them go out into a world that is at war. People say, well, we're in a political war. Yeah, there's certainly political wars going on. Cultural wars are going on. Underneath all that and behind all of it, the real war is a spiritual war. And there is an enemy who wants to come against your child and destroy your child. I know that's not comforting news, but there's an enemy out there. There is Satan, the devil, who wants to wreck your life and your children. He specifically targets the young. Solomon's day in which he wrote this psalm was a day that was filled with violence and warfare in the world. If you read the Bible, it's so interesting. There is a genealogy of Jesus Christ that runs all throughout the Bible. It starts with Adam. One of them starts with Adam and, and then Abraham. Matthew's comes from Abraham, Mark's, and Mark's gospel comes from Adam. But it's a genealogy of Jesus, and all down throughout the line of Jesus, you will see, if you read the Bible, stories of children that the enemy attacked over and over again because he wanted to try and destroy that messianic line so he could thwart the coming of the Messiah. We're in a warfare today when the enemy has targeted our children and targeted the younger generation and is using people in our world today the people are not our enemy the devil is the spiritual darkness is our enemy but the enemy uses people to try to steal and wreck and twist the minds of the young generation to so that he can manipulate them and own them for the rest of their lives and just bring destruction to them so as parents we are on a battlefield and we are in warfare for the hearts and the minds and the lives of our children. So I want you to see yourself not just as the nurturing parent, that's a wonderful part of it, but I want you to understand you are a warrior on behalf of your children. The Bible says this about the kids too. It says that they are arrows that we launch into a world. I can't think of a better way to impact the world than to raise great children. People always want to change the world. They're friends with you on Facebook and on Instagram. And they're going to change the world by their posts. Maybe not. Now what they're going to do is start a fight by trying to change the world. Right? Some people think they're going to change the world by protests and carrying signs. And at some points, I'm sure that is appropriate. But the greatest way you can enter into the battlefield that's going on in the world today and the spiritual battle that's there between good and evil, the greatest way we can enter into that battle and win that battle 
is to raise godly children who love Jesus Christ and are committed to do His work in their lives, who are committed. When we're gone, that's what we're leaving behind. When we're gone, our house is going to crumble. When we're gone, our bank account is going to be dispersed. When we're gone, all our trophies, you know where they're going to be? Goodwill. I was in a Goodwill the other day, and I saw this nice award it was really old. It's this really nice award. It was handwritten, and it came from about the 30s or 40s, I believe, and I was looking at it, and it's sitting in a Goodwill for $3, and I looked at it, and I said, somebody worked hard to get that, and someone treasured this all their life and just hung it on their wall as a testimony to their efforts, and now it's in Goodwill for $3. It's kind of sad. There's one thing, though, you're going to leave on this earth that's going to outlive you and it's going to be your legacy on this earth. And it's going to be the kids you leave behind. Those of you who have children, I want you to think about that. You're in warfare right now to leave behind godly children who will impact future generations. You see, we're not just here trying to impact this generation. We're here to impact future generations ahead for the cause of Jesus Christ and for truth and righteousness. So the Bible said we are warriors as parents and children are the arrows. Now, why arrows? Now, in biblical days, I'll tell you why. In biblical days, arrows and archers were crucial. They didn't have guns and rifles and grenades and everything else. They had arrows. And let me tell you, the archers in the Bible days were some bad dudes, if you will. They were really good at what they did. They were very strong. The best archers, archers could pull a 100-pound bow. Can you imagine a bow with a force of 100 pounds? They could pull a 100-pound bow, and they were accurate up to 400 yards. Think about that just for a minute. man with an arrow can hit his enemy from 400 yards away. That's pretty tough, right? Arrows were very important. Now, I just want you to understand, I grew up with a bit of overconfidence in my archery skills. Because when I was a kid, mom and dad got me the plastic bow and the string on it, and the arrow had a suction cup on the end. Anybody, any uh, 80s children remember that? Maybe later. How many of you had a bow and arrow and it had the suction cup on the end? And you terrorized the house thinking that you could shoot. And, and the, the bow wasn't very strong because the arrow, you had to aim it up, you know, so it might hit something. And I would go and terrorize the refrigerator and all the windows in the house. I'd try to find mirrors and anything that thing would stick to. And I'd go all over the house shooting that arrow. And I came to think of myself as a child as a pretty good archer. That is until I tried the real thing. One day I pulled up to a friend's house. I'll call him a friend because you'll doubt that based on what I'm about to tell you. I pulled up in the driveway and the first signal that something was wrong would have been that he had a deer, a, a target deer sitting beside the driveway and I pulled up and just as I was getting out of the car I heard something go and all of a sudden an arrow appeared in that deer right over here not much of a friend right taking my life in his hands he's setting up in a stand up in a tree where I couldn't see him scared me to death I realized that thing could kill you this is not my childhood arrow. So I said, what the rest of you would say, let me try it. 
I climb up on that thing. He hands me a bow, and I think, yeah, I can do this. I remember hitting the fridge. First thing I did is I grabbed that bow, and I started to pull it back, and I'm like, this thing doesn't pull as easily. First thing I learned is if I was going to be an archer, I was going to have to work out a little because pulling that bow was tough. So much about this analogy applies to parenting. Parenting is difficult. Can we just get that out in the room and just understand it ain't easy being a mom or a dad. It's not easy raising children. And I, we talk to parents all the time, and last week I asked you, how many of you think you don't know what you're doing sometimes as a parent? And hands went up everywhere. That was the most responded thing I, to thing I did last week. How many of you think you just don't know what you're doing sometimes? It's common to all of us because parenting is tough. There are going to be times you feel like a failure. Have you ever just messed up with your kids and done the wrong thing? Please raise your hands. Please abolish all self-righteousness from this room and raise your hand because we know you've done it. Have you ever worried that you're just going to mess up your kids? Have you ever thought, this is so serious that I don't want to mess them up and give them a tough situation in their lives, and I don't know that I'm up to this task? Have you ever just blown it and said, I know I could have done better on that one? Yep. Can I tell you today, you're not alone, and that's a little bit of encouragement I want to bring to kind of open this message today is you're not alone. Parenting is tough for everybody. Today we're going to talk about taking that bow and pulling it back. We're not going to talk about the release. We're going to talk about that next week, but we're going to talk about when you've got that child in your hands, in your home, and under your control as you start to pull that bow back in anticipation of launching them out. Here's what I learned too about the bow. The farther you pull it and the longer you hold it, the more tension there is. You understand that? The tension increases the closer you get to the launch. For those of you who have teenagers, just soak in that for just a minute, okay? You've got these precious little kids and, and, and you just love them and yeah, they can give you some problems. Yeah, they're difficult, but they're little. You ever wish you could keep them little? You ever wish you could keep them little? Parents of teenagers all over the place like, yes, 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 I wish. Wish you could just keep them little. But they start turning into adults. For my children, it was like... Uh, Somebody flipped a switch one day, and my son went from being a little boy to a man, and I just kind of saw it happen and said, when did that happen? But you know, once they cross that line and you're about to launch, the tension in the house gets deeper and deeper and deeper because you've got adults in the house now who are ready to get out from under your thumb, and they want to fly, and you're ready to let them go. Sometimes you're ready to let them go. If you're in a house with teenagers and the tension's getting worse and worse and worse, understand the problem is not that you did a bad job. The problem is perhaps you did a really good job and that adult is ready to launch and it's hard for two adults ready to live in freedom to live in the same house because there's tension. 
in the end, the thing I want you to understand today is parenting is about managing, especially when you got them at home and you're trying to launch them, it's about managing tension. When you pull that bow back and it bends and the arrow is there and you're preparing to launch that arrow out into the world, there is a great tension that you have to manage. And can I tell you this? The tension is good because the tension is going to launch them into their future. Tension is not a bad thing when used properly. You understand that? The easiest thing is just to resolve the tension. Unhealthy tension needs to be resolved. You understand that? If you've got tension in a marriage relationship or tension in a relationship, sometimes you need to sit down and talk it out. But there's such a thing as good tension. For example, this building today is held up by tension, and that's a good tension. There are bolts on this side of the building that bolt this big steel beams to the ground over here. And there's another one over here. And those things pull on each other and they hold this building up in tension. That kind of tension is a good thing. Some tension doesn't need to be resolved. It needs to be held on to and managed. Some tension keeps us centered. Your marriage is like that. God puts you with a person that's not just like you. Thank God. If God puts you with a person that was just like you, you'd run in the ditch all the time. Right? My wife's so different from me. Where do you want to go eat? Well, i got to get something healthy. You just cross off all my places. I want a salad. None of my places even have salad, right? Uh-uh. That happens in your parenting as well. You'll find that even as married couples that God put together, you have different parenting styles. And very often, what you'll find is you complement each other very well, whether you know it or not. But it creates tension in your marriage as you're trying to raise the child because you don't always agree with how to raise them. Amen? I don't say amen. I just stir up a fight, right? I want to talk to you today quickly about two tensions that we have to manage in parenting. And I'll just bet you'll find yourself on one side or the other, and maybe your spouse is on the other one. Number one, here we go, it's the tension between setting limits and giving freedom. The tension between setting limits and giving freedom. Great parents learn to walk in this tension and live in this tension. Now, first of all, setting limits is important for your children. You've got to draw some lines and say, this is how we behave and this is how we don't behave. You've got to say there are just some things you're not going to do in this house and there's some things you are going to do. And it's just how it is. I'm going to tell you, I'm the mom, I'm the dad, you're the child. And sometimes you've got to lay down the law. Amen. you got to set limits. Children who have no limits go out into a world and they expect they can have no limits out in the world. Part of our job as parents is to let our children experience the pain of bad choices in a safe and controlled environment. Because if they don't learn to experience the pain of their bad choices in a safe, controlled environment called home, they're going to get buckets full of pain from their bad choices in an unsafe and unloving environment called the world. 
tell parents all the time, if you let your children talk back to you and disrespect you, they're going to disrespect everybody in the world, and they're going to pay for that out there. So parents have to learn to set limits. On the other side of that, though, we also have to learn to give freedom. We also have to learn this. You see, the goal of parenting, this is golden right here, and it was given to me by somebody else, wonderful part of this church. The goal of parenting is not compliance, it's character. I'm going to let that soak for just a minute. Oftentimes as parents, we just want to raise compliant children who don't bother us. Don't talk too loud, turn the music down, clean your room. Go where I tell you to do. Behave in such a way that makes me comfortable as a parent. That's not the goal. The goal is not just do what I tell you to do. The goal is for them to develop godly character so that they can go out of your home and make decisions on their own when you're not there. This is a harder one to swallow. I get the feeling I got a limits crowd right here. Yeah, babe. when I was talking about giving limits, y'all were all up, yeah, amen, amen. But then the freedom side, you got a little quiet on me. That's the tension. Here's what happened. If you never give your children any freedom to make any decisions and you're strictly regimented and rule-oriented and your goal is to have compliant children, here's what's going to happen. They're going to leave your house never having experienced any freedom at all, and as soon as they leave, they're going to overdose on freedom. One mother asked her little girl one time, she, she wanted to make sure she knew how to call 911 and all that, and she asked the little girl, she said, what would you do if I passed out in the kitchen floor? The little girl said, I would eat everything in the kitchen that you won't let me eat. In other words, you're going to die, and I'll be in the Doritos, right? <laughs> Mom's history, right? <laughs> the goal is not just compliance, it's character. And if you never give that child the freedom to make their own decisions and you're strictly rule and regiment, when they leave your house, they're going to overdose on freedom, and they're going to test every limit and push every boundaries, and they will not have the ability to make decisions for themselves because you never trained them to think for themselves. That means you've got to let them try some things. You've got to let them fail at some things. I'm throwing out wisdom here today. Godly parents let their kids mess up. And then they don't bail them out. That's another critical part of this. Let them make mistakes and don't rescue them. Now, obviously, if they're driving off a cliff, save them. But don't rescue them every time they make a mess. If your teacher writes to you and says, little Johnny had a horrible attitude with me and he had to go sit in the corner. Don't go yelling at the teacher. Good job, Pastor. Good job, Pastor. All the teachers saying amen. 
I taught for a while. i got to be quick with this, but I taught for a while. I taught a couple years in high school in Honduras. That's where Alex and I met. We were teaching at a school together. I always knew the children that were going to cause me trouble by the parent meeting before school started. I didn't even have to meet the kid. I could make a list. Yep, this one's trouble. And I've never seen the kid because mom would come in telling me how wonderful their child was and I better not make any mistakes with them. Their wonderful child that never did anything wrong. He doesn't act that way at home. Oh, yes, he does. Then I had parents who would say, I love this. I had a parent come in. He was a colonel in the Honduran military. I taught two of his sons in 11th and 12th grade. Colonel would come to me. He said, he called me Mr. Andy. He said, Mr. Andy, I'm on your team. We're working together to raise these boys. Thank you for what you do for my children. I'm going to call you every two weeks and see how they're doing. If we have any problems, we're going to fix them. Those were awesome boys, awesome men today. He called me one time, and he, he called me every two weeks. Colonel, how are you? Mr. Andy, I'm fine. How are my sons? How are they doing? How's their grades? They showing up at class? I always knew I wouldn't have problems with those boys Till one day the youngest one decided he was going to hang out and talk to girls instead of coming back to class on time, right? And I told him, I said, Bud, now you know the drill here. Your dad calls me every two weeks, and I'm not going to lie to him. I said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to have to be honest with your dad, and I don't want to get you in trouble, but I will. He said, I won't do it again. Two weeks later, he's doing it again. His dad calls. How's he doing? Well, Colonel, uh, I mentioned his name. I said, he's been late to class. He's been hanging out with girls, and he just hadn't been coming back to class. He said, it won't happen again, Mr. Andy. I'm sorry. Boy came back to school the next day, apologized to me for being late. It won't happen again, you know, took him at his word. About a month later, he starts again. And that's how we are. We drift right back in. I said, bud, listen, your dad's going to call me. I said, I'm giving you a chance here. When your dad calls me, I'm going to have to be honest with him. So if you'll straighten up the next two days, I won't say a word. But if you're late again, I'm going to have to tell dad. Somehow the kid didn't listen. (laughs) And he kept doing it. And his dad always called me at just the right time. His dad called me, Colonel, how are you, sir? Mr. Andy, I said, I'm good. Uh, how's he doing? They've been late. I said, uh, long silence. I didn't want to tell him. I said, I'm really sorry, but he's being late again. He said, he won't be at school next week. Oh, God, what does that mean? <laughs> Dear God, what have I done? I don't want to be a part of this kid was gone the whole next week he came back the following week and the kid might have weighed 120 pounds he weighed 95 now (laughs) and his hair was buzzed his dad had taken him into the military and put him through boot camp for a week let me tell you something I was in Honduras about uh, 10 years later and I met the kid's older brother and we were talking he came to see us and I said, do y'all remember when he put your brother? He said, oh, Mr. Andy, that's a legend in our family now. <laughs> because it was the kid's birthday the week he was in boot camp. And he had them all lined up for inspection. And the colonel came out, got in his face and said, private. He said, yes, sir. He said, your mother says happy birthday. Isn't it hard to know when to draw the line and when to give freedom? 
I can't answer that for you. I can't get into every situation that you're in right now, but I can tell you this. You have to live in that tension. Some of you need to step up your game in a way of drawing some lines. You can't just let your kids do, go crazy and do whatever they want. And you can't tell them you're going to punish them and then not punish them because you're wrecking your character and, and theirs. But on the other side, if you've got this thing so strict that they can't breathe, you're going to have to loosen up a little bit and give them some room to make some mistakes and then let them feel the consequences of those mistakes. Leads me to the second one that's much like the first one. The first tension is between setting limits and giving freedom. The second one is the tension between maintaining discipline and maintaining relationship. It is so easy to default to one or the other. Paul said this in Ephesians 6. He said, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't just go around ticking them off. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We're not to be such harsh disciplinarians with our children that we just make them mad. But we are to train them lovingly and maintaining relationship with them to serve Jesus. That's so hard. Anybody in the room just kind of an all-or-nothing personality? Other than me, am I the only one? Because I'm kind of all-or-nothing. I'm in or I'm out, right? When it comes to dieting, I'm either eating bird seed or double whoppers. You know, it's kind of, I'm struggling with that. That's not a good place to be. I'm trying to find out how to moderate, you know. With parenting, I tend to get mad and be like, you're never leaving your room again. Or so focused on relationships, I can go one way or the other. That tension is so important to maintain. You've got to keep your kids disciplined. Amen? Teach them how to walk in life. Can I, can I get on my Pastor Andy's soapbox for just a minute here and then quit? Teach them not to have their face stuck in this thing all the time. Because you go around in the world today and you're finding there's a generation here that does not know how to talk to people at all. I said this last week, and I, didn't I say this last week? Put the phone away and have dinner. Discipline them, train them. But when, when you're doing that, love them. Discipline is leading them in a way that will actually solve their problems and help build their character, not just make them mad. I'm going to quit, but hear me. This is reality. Do you ever just get ticked off at them? It's going to do your soul a whole lot of good if you'll just be honest about this. You ever just get mad at them? Now I'm going to push you a little further. Do you ever just want to win? Here's the deal. I'm the parent. I can win this. This is my house. That is my car. Your room is my room. I can win this. That's not the goal to win. The goal is to train. My discipline must actually help develop their character, not just make me win or me feel better. You're going to need to soak on that for a minute. 
watched a video the other day that may illustrate this well. This dad had gotten fed up with his son playing video games. And I'm one who thinks kids probably play too many of those today, probably too many. Playing a video game is not wrong, but it taking over your whole life is a problem. And this dad, it, they actually videoed this and put it on YouTube, which is also a problem. But the video is him yelling into the dad's room, put away that video game. And, oh, dad, I'm going to keep playing. Put away that game. I said, and all of a sudden, dad kicks the door in. He's got a sledgehammer. And he comes into the middle of the room and just, boom, hits it into a million pieces. Now, there's a part of me that kind of likes that. I've just got to confess, I, that, just, I'm being authentic. He didn't train his kid to do anything but blow up and be angry. Because the kid got up and flipped the table and started throwing stuff. And then it turned into a shouting match between dad and son. And I thought, dad, he's acting like you. But you've got the power here, and you're going to show him. That is not what the Bible says parenting is. It's not about winning. It's not about conquering. It's not about making them into you. It's not about them doing just what you want to do. It's about training them to be who God has called them to be. And when you discipline your children, make sure it's always done in love. If you have to correct them, if you have to spank them, if you have to ground them, Make sure there's a hug that goes with it. Make sure there's an explanation that goes with it. Make sure relationships are maintained. It's the tension we have to live in. Let's pray today. Jesus, we love you and thank you for today. Thank you for the journey of being parents. Thank you for the blessing and the challenge of it all. Thank you that you've given us children to raise, arrows to send out into the world. And Lord, we're drawing back that bow. It's hard. It's hard to know when to draw the line and when to set free. It's hard to know when to be the disciplinarian and when to focus on the relationship. God, you're calling people today to just recognize the tension of those competing things. God, you're calling married couples today, God, to stop working against each other and to appreciate what the other one brings to the relationship. That the strict disciplinarian brings some limits, but the relational parent brings a balance to that God that keeps those children centered. God, may we appreciate the differences. God, may we just hear your voice today as we raise our children. May those of us who need to step it up in limits and discipline do so, Father, to build character in our children. Those of us who need to learn how to set them free how to maintain relationships. May we step up that side, God, as we endeavor to serve our kids. I just ask you in the mighty name of Jesus that all over this congregation there will be a mighty empowering of your spirit, God. God, that out of this room would become, would be raised up champions for the cause of Christ in their generation. That out of this room, God, you would call young men and women. Their parents are sitting here today. They may be in students or kids right now, but God, may parents in this room raise champions for Christ that will impact generations to come in Jesus' name. I pray and ask it. Amen. People have been coming to me just to let you know something that's going on at Upward may seem a little under the radar. You may not see it up on stage, but God is healing people. I keep hearing it again and again and again. 
People are coming up to me every service saying that God did something in my body that was miraculous. Oftentimes it's something chronic that they've been dealing with for a long time. Uh, parent was telling me today about the son's uh, level who had tested at a 35 that all of a sudden was less than one. Isn't that incredible? 91-year-old man was telling me how God healed him of a hernia last week. I'm telling you, God's healing people. This is my blessing for you today. Jesus said this. Jesus said healing is the children's bread. It's our bread. I'm going to tell you, this is to be a daily part of our Christian life and walk. Healing from physical diseases and healing of our hearts and our souls. And I just speak incredible healing over your life. What the enemy has intended for evil, God is turning around for good. And he's bringing a deep healing in you. Sometimes through the prods and the pokes and the tests and the things that you don't want to walk through, you have a Savior who's healing you. Speak that blessing over your life. Now go in the power of the Holy Spirit. I commission you and send you out. Take Jesus to your world. Thank you. Love y'all so much. We'll see you again next week. We'll talk about releasing that era into the world. See you then. Love you.